This is the greatest hour to follow Jesus. Okay. I, I've been teaching on Jesus in the Old Testament, but I'm going to, I touched on devotion, which is really a life of prayer last week. I want to stay there because last night I was awakened again at four. Um, my son Benny and I take a day occasionally where we'll spend the night somewhere locally and hang out and it's supposed to be a restful time. That was last night and the Lord woke me up at four without an explanation. But the spirit of prayer hit me where for hours and hours I was in the spirit praying. And I felt the Lord tell me last night, I want you again to discuss personal prayer and personal devotion to Jesus. And then we'll get back into Jesus in the Old Testament. Amen? Has anyone ever wondered why the Lord took Enoch? And by the way, that word took can mean to take hebraically to take as you would take someone in a wedding. It can mean that. Typically we look at that verse and consider it a snatching away or a, an escape But the answer is, um, the reason the Lord took Enoch is because he walked with God. It's in the Bible. Remember, the scriptures should answer the scriptures, right? There's something powerful about walking with God. Say this out loud, I want to walk with God. Say it again. One more time. This verse has always, in, a, in the most beautiful way, mesmerized me. Since my earliest days in the faith that really began here in this room, which is still crazy to be here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Since my earliest days, more than wanting to make some metrical or this, this numerical impact, I always just wanted to walk with God. I remember being uh, in Reading once and a, a young student asked Bill during a Q&A session, uh, we were, they were meeting at the Civic Auditorium, which is a local auditorium there that, that BSSM uses and so does the church occasionally for conferences. You know, like most of you young people would, and most, most Christians in general who want God to use their life, it's really easy to get caught up in the reach. Yeah. You know what I mean? In the reach. And I think that's really dangerous. Yeah. Now, the proof text or the justification biblically to, to live according to that culture is usually, well, they mentioned the numbers in the book of Acts. Yeah, a couple times. But the book of Acts is all about the activity of the Spirit. The Bible is not about numbers. The Bible is about Jesus himself. Now, does he care about what, would Jesus burn and does he burn in his heart to see if there are four people born again in a room, in a room, would he burn to see the fifth saved? Of course. 
But all that to say, that flows from his heart. So what it is is a natural byproduct, but it cannot be the fuel by which we live by. Metrics. It's dangerous. Whether you're a songwriter, an author, a pastor, an evangelist, a missionary, we can't say that the missionaries of the last generation were not successful or less successful than us because we're seeing greater breakthrough in their nations. If numbers determine success, then Calvary was less successful than Galilee. If I have to choose between the two, what happened in Calvary or what happened in Galilee, I'm choosing Calvary. Amen? When in fact, the Bible says, because of David's sin, the Lord allowed the devil to tempt him to take a census. The Lord allowed David, listen carefully, allowed David to even think the thought. He did not tempt David, but he allowed him to walk through that because of David's failure. He took the census, in other words, began to glory in something other than the presence of God that was in that tent. And the Bible teaches that we should glory in the Lord and the Lord alone. Paul, Paul is so whittled away by the Spirit where he literally says, I glory in Christ and am crucified. I have nothing left to say. And he's forgotten more Bible than we remember. Amen? Okay. Before I go any further, tonight, tonight is a pivotal, listen to me. Whenever I say this, how many of you are blessed? I don't never mess with you. I'm not here to tease you. You will need to be in this room tonight. I'll just say that. You need to be in this room to hear what will be spoken and the power of God that will be released. I believe there will be a divine encounter that will touch our hearts tonight that could carry us for months to come. Okay, you need to get in this room. If you're watching me on, on live stream tonight, you need to get to church tonight. Doors open at five o'clock. God will be here, but a word will be released that will shift our hearts. I've heard it. I know the word that's coming. You need to get in the room. Amen? All right, now, in Genesis chapter five, the scripture says in verse 24, and Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. That's a good way to go. I said that's a good way to go. Amen? In the Garden of Eden, we see Adam walking with the Lord. Now, you have to understand, biblically, walking is not about cardio, biblically. <laughs> okay. It's about proximity. Listen, listen carefully. Intimacy. Dependency, lordship. How many of you know Adam was not leading God around the garden? Amen? It's about voice. It's about touch. 
It's about the rhythm of the spirit. When you walk with God, you learn that there are moments where you feel his holy anticipation. It's why Philip runs to the Ethiopian's chariot rather than walk. How do you even know to do that? Because you are literally possessed with the Holy Spirit. You feel not only the assignment, but you feel the anticipation in the heart of God. You feel the excitement of the Spirit in certain moments, and you're literally caught up and yielded to what the Spirit is doing. And if he doesn't run, if he chooses to walk, Ethiopia doesn't get the gospel. A nation. It ends up being the first official Christian nation. Never, 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 never devalue the power of childlike obedience. Why am I even talking about this? Because this is part of walking with the Lord. Lovers love to walk with God. They do not merely glory in taking orders. Orders are important, and when he gives them, obey them. But God wants, to, God wants more with you than to give you direction alone. I, I tell our students this often. While we're looking for direction, God is looking for affection. And then we find direction in the affection. When the affection is birthed within us, we would rather die than lose it. So it becomes our fuel for obedience. Amen? Jesus tells the disciples, I have food you don't know about, to do the will of God. What's he saying? When I say yes, I am filled with nourishment. Yes? So walking with God is holy and important to God. All right, now, I'm not going to go too far here, but I just want to mess with your brain. And, uh, hear your brain crackle here. The Bible says that you could hear the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. I want you to contemplate what that verse means, and we'll talk in a few weeks. The sound, the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. So meditate on that. Pray through that. I don't want to give it to you. But now I also want you to think about the Lord's heart in walking with us. While Adam missed his appointment, God was on time for his. And God had to ask, Adam, where are you? Not because God was lost and needed a guide through the garden. The whole point was, well, there were many points to that question. One was to reveal Adam's failure, of course. But it's also to say, hey, I showed up and you didn't. What is at stake here? is so much greater than just heaven or hell, though both are real, regardless of what people preach today. I said both are real. Okay, you hesitated. Both are real. Maybe this section believes the Bible. Both are real, regardless of what people preach today. This section, okay, you... This is the purgatory section. All right. Both are real regardless of what people preach today. Good. There you all are in. All right. 
you know, in the last days, the issue's not gonna be, the, 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 the main struggle will not be uh, the, op, the, the blatant opposition of Jesus. What is antichrist to the core, however, are those who claim to know Jesus and disconnect from his words. That's when you'll know the cat is out of the hat and to make yourself ready. And it's happening. It's happening right now. People have the audacity to believe that because they heard from God, that their ability to hear from God overwhelms and overpowers the scriptures and what the church and the church fathers and the apostolic age, what it thrusted forth for the last 2,000 years that they are hearing more clearly than those who are martyred. It is pride of the nth degree to think that they found something that Polycarp missed or that Ignatius missed or that Athanasius missed or the Apostle Paul missed. And that's the age we're in. It's a salvation with no cross. That's what it is. No, really. It's kingdom with no king. How many of you know if you say you're my king, that means I listen to you. You're the boss. We just need basic Sunday school teaching again. You know what I mean? I'm not sure we need to equip our kids all the time on like how to get words of knowledge. I would just like them to like obey. I don't care if you're prophesying to me if you don't just do what I ask. Like, tell them about Jonah and the whale again, Daniel and the lion's death. Basic Bible. Can we get that back in to a generation? It's not boring. It's actually electric in the heart. Noah walks with God, the Bible says. Adam walks with God. Elijah walks with God. Elisha walks with God. Samuel clearly walks with God. Abraham walks with God. He has a meal with the Lord. Tells his wife to cook the Lord a meal. Better get that one right. <laughs> Quick, kill the fatted calf and yogurt. Okay, Lord. The Lord loves Greek yogurt. <laughs> I knew I was onto something. Abraham walked with God. So much so that the Lord wanted to discuss his judgment upon Sodom with Abraham. And actually said, shall I do it and not talk to my friend? I wonder if we realize what we're missing by forsaking friendship with God. Salvation is free. Friendship takes time. Is there a price involved? Of course but I don't want to focus on that this morning. I want to provoke you with the glory that's available in that devotion. I feel like I'm eight years old today. I'm all happy. I didn't sleep all night, but I, 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 I met with him last night. And there's joy in his presence. There's, there's grace in his presence. There's this ability to fly higher than all the stress. And do you, <laughs> 
you don't think you pastor without stress, right? There are issues galore. I'm telling you, people do amazing things and dumb things. Say amen. Let's say, but not me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll just look to the other side. No, I'm joking. You can teach people for years, systematically, methodically, in a heartfelt way. You can live before them in a heartfelt way. You can love them. They won't love you back. It is just part of the Christian life. You do not have to get pulled into that pit. Now, you can feel the pain of a father. You know, when when our students, for instance, do something that I know they're better than. If they adapt a perspective that I've taught them, that our whole team has taught them not to adapt, of course it crushes you. Then you remember what you were like at 19 or 29. Some of y'all still like that at 59, (laughs) which is proof. Age or time saved is not maturity. Time in the presence is maturity. It's true. I know people that got born again the same year I got born again. They're like 70. They still act like they're seven. I hope they're not watching. (laughs) Spiritually, they're like that because they haven't gone in. And they had the same invitation of others, same opportunity, same sermons they sat under. A few said, I heard the knock. I'm going to open the door and let them come in. There's such beauty there. I, my heart breaks. I'm just going to be honest with you. My heart breaks over what certain worship leaders burn for. How certain worship leaders live their lives. Not ours. I'm, I'm talking about in general. How certain pastors live. The grind they're under. My God. The first thing out of their mouth is how many attended that week. Or they point to church and say, this is how many came Sunday morning. In my heart I go, it's breaking you have no idea the, the rat race you're signing up for. It's going to destroy you. You're glorying in the wrong thing. Don't take the census. There's judgment on the other end of it. Taking the census means you're touching the glory. You're saying, I want to know what I built. David forgot he was just a little shepherd boy. Who am I? And who is my father's house? He forgot that. That's why the Lord had to tell him, I pulled you off the sheepfold. Do you remember when I called you? There's such danger there. Same with whatever, like the books I write and stuff. There's so many more ways to sell them. But there's a higher way. There's this plateau that that belongs to those who are saying, Lord, build the house and then live in it. Come build it. But you won't live there if you don't build it. He only builds in houses he constructs. The the, the goal is to walk with God. Not feel uh, needed. That's important, but that's not the goal. What if this church burned, what if this church saw success as walking with the Lord? All right. That was a good intro. Luke 11, 2. Let's get in there. 
Let's talk about prayer. Now, the church's message is not prayer. I want you to hear me. That is not our message. You may have an assignment to build a prayer house, a prayer environment. This whole movement is a prayer environment. But the message of the kingdom is not prayer. The message is Jesus. Prayer is the means by which we connect with the Lord. But it is not the gospel. I'm not devaluing it. But remember, this cannot be a house of prayer unless it is his house. My house. And that my part is conditional. And you know what that is. We come and enter in his name. We gather in his name. The condition is met corporately. Once that condition is met corporately, he then begins to invite us into communion with him. And a very common name for that communion is prayer. Okay? But the gospel is not prayer. The gospel is Jesus Christ. The way you learn and know the Lord is through prayer. And that's what I want to discuss today. Luke 11, verse 2. Actually, let's look at verse 1. Now, it came to pass, underline this, as he was praying. Underline that part. As he, Jesus, was praying. In a certain place. That is important and it is not law. When he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples to pray. So here the disciples look at the life of the Lord. They see him walk on water, multiply bread, multiply fish. Lepers are cleansed, blind eyes open. He answers uh, those whom nobody has the guts to answer with such accuracy and wisdom that they're afraid to even talk to him anymore. Isn't that amazing? I love that about him, by the way. Everyone always says, be silent. No, no, it's, what is the Holy Spirit saying? Because sometimes you have to speak up. You, you, do, you, you need to be silent, that's holy. But if someone comes against the Lord in pride, we see the Lord schooling them. It's beautiful. Just trashing, not trashing in a bad way, but just destroying them. And I love that, I love that about him. He's like, you know. I think it's beautiful. I love everything about Jesus. I don't, I don't know about you. So the disciples see all of this and they, they don't ask, teach us to be smarter. Jesus, do you have an eight-step plan for healing? Now, many of my friends do that, and I love them. I love them. We just don't see it in the life of Jesus. In fact, he never preaches a single message on healing because he is healing. <laughs> it's why when Pilate goes, what is truth? The Lord doesn't answer. He's like, there's nothing I say would more properly represent truth than me just standing in front of you. You're looking at truth. In fact, he's skinned alive at that moment. Beaten, brutalized, beard plucked from his face. And he's telling Pilate, you are staring at truth. Amen? So that being said, the disciples don't ask him how to do that. How do we cast out demons? Jesus, do you have an activation track on water walking? <laughs> Can you activate me in water walking, please? Links in my bio. We're activating crazy people, by the way. Not here, but the church needs to stop activating people who need to read their Bible. Because there are some wacky people who've been activated. Jesus loves them, though. I'm growing in it. All right. 
They don't ask any of that. They said, you know what? When you go up that mountain, something always happens when you come back down. And we're not interested on the technique. Tell us what's going on up there. Teach us to pray. As John taught his disciples to pray. So that tells me that Discipleship 101 is teaching people to commune with God. When did they ask the Lord to teach them to pray? After he was praying. Now listen carefully. How many of you would love your children or people you love or friends to pray more? then you become the message. His prayer life triggered a hunger in theirs. That's the best way. The best way is to be exposed to people who know the Lord. Because something about them triggers a curiosity in you. Now, I'm going to share share something with you personal and vulnerable. I have probably seen as many healings as anybody else I know my age. I'm not saying through through our ministry alone. But traveling with my father-in-law and being in the meetings since 89, I've seen real miracles. Like stuff that is from like the Bible. Never once have I had a desire to sit with him and learn to see more miracles. Not once. What I have had the desire to experience, if I, and we haven't done this yet, but maybe we will at some point when he slows down eventually, when he's 170, probably when he'll slow down. I would, I would talk to him about, walk me through the first 30 minutes of your time with Jesus. And then I'd make him say it again. And then I'd slow him down and I would ask him more annoying questions. I would ask him about, from a corporate perspective, I would ask him what's going through his heart uh, when he's ministering to the Lord on a platform. I, 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 my hunger is not directed in the actual work of the ministry, but the, my hunger is aimed at his communion with God. Because I know if I get that, that everything else will fall in place. Because I've seen too many people who've built massive structures who don't walk with that dripping moisture, the tenderness, that heart. I don't want that. I want that fragrance in my heart. I want that fragrance in my life. I want that saintliness, that inexplainable mystery you know, when the Russian delegation was looking hundreds of years ago, looking for the, the faith for their nation, they tried every faith, and finally they stumbled, stumbled into St. Sophia, which is now in Istanbul. At the time, it was Constantinople, before the Muslims took it. And it was the epicenter of the faith. And this Russian delegation walked into a worship service during the communion that was being served, which we're going to take today. 
When they walked into that building after studying every other faith, they sent message back to Russia. We have found the truth. We have found a people who seem to live in heaven while they're on the earth. There's something about the presence of Jesus in a people, in a person, in an individual that provokes hunger in those that God puts around them. Everything you see corporately here, listen to me, started in a room with the door closed. Everything. Our value for worship started in a room with the door closed all alone. Me coming up here, I remember one time I was on a panel and somebody said, there were like five speakers on the panel, and somebody said, how can I flow in the Holy Spirit better? I'm a pastor. And the four speakers said, they pointed at me, as though flowing is a topic. As though you can answer that in an answer to a question. It's like saying, um, teach me Jessica. Can you answer that? How could I teach a person to a people as a sermon? But it's a matter of history. The, the, the way you know to change a song is because you learn to change the song in your bedroom. Did you understand? The way you know when to preach and when to wait is because you learned in your bedroom when to read and when to wait. The only way to know that the set's over is to be incredibly sensitive to the person of the Spirit. We don't time our sets here, and we never will. And if the next generation does, <laughs> if when I go to heaven that happens, may the Lord just, I don't know, do something. I don't want to say it. Something. <laughs> Something beautifully violent. All right. <laughs> the only way to know when to end the set is because you learned in private. Do you understand? The only way to stick to a clear gospel is because you realize the Lord is in the room and he's watching and trusting you. And you learn that in private. The, the reason you have tough conversations and difficult confrontations is because you're protecting something that's more sacred to you than what the world sees. You don't want the Lord's glory to walk away. You don't want that. The, I'm not talking about the anointing or gifting, but the glory is like a slippery, it's him, but it's, it's like, it's a gentle walk. Yes, you're holding his hand, but it's, I've never seen anyone lose that fragrance and regain it. Maybe one. I've never, I've never. I've seen ministries continue. I've seen ministries grow. I've seen reach continue. I've seen reach grow. I've seen social media numbers skyrocket, which to most of Gen Z and millennials means God is happy and it has nothing to do with following. I've seen that continue, but when you talk to them, the tears don't flow anymore. The, the tone is different in their voice. They're not burning. They're, they're not up early with Jesus anymore. They don't, they don't, the, the, their free time doesn't prove their love for Jesus. It's directed in other areas. They don't talk about him the way they used to or as frequently. 
That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm afraid of losing. With everything in me. That sounds like a nightmare. Oh Lord, never let it happen. I pray that some of you in your hearts even now are praying, Jesus, don't do it here. Don't do it in me. Don't do it here. And, and, and here, here's, here's the most sober, not the most sobering, but here's another sobering perspective. I've never seen it transcend a generation. Never. I know a lot of people in the ministry. I've never seen, in my experience, I'm not saying they're not out there, I've never seen the next generation pick up a a baton from a father and a mother and break into more glory. Never seen it. There's so many reasons for that. One is entitlement. The kingdom doesn't operate that way. This isn't a family bakery. You don't just get the family business. As much as we believe in legacy and generations, of course I want my children to step into everything God has for them and to lead. But they're going to fight their lions and bears. And they're going to have to fall on the right side. They're going to have to fall on his side. This is this kind of stuff that goes through my my mind. So here we see the prayer life of Jesus provoking his disciples, that next generation. And so this is the greatest way to provoke prayer in a people. Look at Psalm 109. Is this good? Psalm 109, verses 1 through 4. Do not keep silent, O God of my praise, for the mouth of the wicked and the mouth of the deceitful have opened against me. This is speaking of false accusation. They have spoken against me with a lying tongue. They have also surrounded me with words of hatred and fought against me without a cause. Listen carefully now. And return from my love. They are my accusers. Obviously, David is writing here, but I believe this is speaking of the Lord Jesus. In return from my love, they are my accusers. Now, what's the answer? But I give myself to prayer. The Hebrew actually reads this, but, in the Hebrew, it would say it this way, I have become prayer. So now I want to get to what prayer is and what it isn't, and then we're going to pray. Now, go back to Luke 11, because most, most of you are saying, I have a job, there's no way I can pray. Or I do this, there's no way. I can pray all day, I'm not a pastor, I'm not... Just hold your horses. Look down at verse 2 of of Luke 11. So he said to them, when you pray, 
Is there a comma after pray there? There should be. When you pray, say. I'll say it again. It'll land. Just say, Holy Spirit, help me understand this scripture. We know you well, Lord. When you pray, say. Or, let me say it another way. Don't say until you've begun praying. Don't say until you pray. It tells me praying is much bigger than saying. Wait for the activity of prayer to begin in the heart, then speak. Most of us speak and never begin praying because we don't know what praying is. We have limited praying to saying. And speaking is a small portion of the life of prayer. Now, we'll get into that more deeply. So here we see in Psalm 109 that there are many accusers that speak falsely, and the answer is, I have become prayer. I'm not just saying one. I have become a prayer. I am embodying prayer. Look at Zechariah 12.10. We're going to move through these quickly. Thank you, Jesus. Do you like this? Zechariah 12.10. Can somebody help me with my voice? Is Dion here? Can you grab a mic? Can we get him on real quickly? Just need, need your help there. I don't want to wear my voice out. Zechariah 12.10. There, Dion. And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Stop there. Say that again. And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Okay, what is grace? Grace is the supernatural, empowering ability and presence of the Holy Spirit. It's not a a, a getaway free card uh, regarding sin because the grace of God was on Jesus. Jesus did not need to be forgiven of sin. We're talking about the animating capability of the spirit that turns you into an avenger when you're just average. Okay, God is talking about the spirit of grace and what what else, Dion? Supplication. That word supplication is prayer. To beseech the Lord is the actual translation. So the Holy Spirit himself, don't miss this part, is the one who prays. That's good news. He is called the spirit of grace and prayer. So prayer is not so much something I do and accomplish, but something I give myself over to. I want us to go so deep. Prayer is God working, doing all things in us. What do you call somebody who runs? What do you call somebody who gardens? What do you call someone who prays? When you get this, you will give your heart over to prayer rather than try to generate prayer, which you cannot do. 
Prayer is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.26. Read that, Dion. Oh, I'm getting excited now. I don't know why. Maybe you do. Tell me later. All right. Read it. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself... We'll, we'll may- say it again slower. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Say, I'm too weak to pray. Anybody ever felt like that? What's the answer? Read it. For we do know not what to pray as Wait, we hold on. Are. I'm too weak and I don't know how. And none of you do and neither do I. Nobody does. Only the religious think they know how to pray without God. Keep reading. But the Spirit himself makes... Hold on, what's the answer? But the... Spirit. But the... Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the answer. So you're too tired to pray? Welcome to the club. You don't know what to do when you start? Welcome to the club. What's the answer? But the Spirit. Prayer is the ministry of the Holy Spirit, not your ministry. I'm going to upset some people. I don't want to. There are only two intercessors mentioned in the Bible, Jesus and the Spirit. Now, many intercession meetings look like CrossFit. There are shoes flying, shovels, prophetic act, sweating, can't breathe, screaming. It is wild. Then you, at the end, you go, what did y'all do in there? You won't believe it. But what did you accomplish? Is your heart full? No, I'm mad at every principality. Okay, you did not pray. If you left that meeting more aware of principalities than Jesus, you didn't pray. I'm not saying you can't be used for intercession. But, but let's just be really clear. We dare not steal the office. From the Spirit and Jesus, whoever lives to intercede for us. It's not about taking the office, it's about yielding into the activity of the one who's interceding. Can I keep going? Yes. I don't know if you are, you know. Prayer is a river that is not generated. The spring that fuels that river flows from the heart of God. You just got to get your raft that we call surrender or yieldedness and get in the river. So I don't know what to do when I'm, you don't know how to lay on a raft in a lazy river? Just get in. What do I say? Well, we'll get into that later. But first steps first, dip your toe in the river. I guarantee you dip your toe in. He'll sweep you off your feet. An hour will go by and you're beaming with joy and have no idea why. Prayer is his ministry. He is the high priest. Paul says he knows how to help our weaknesses. Here's a good one. I'm afraid to pray in the mornings because I don't want to offend God by falling asleep. And that's the excuse to remain asleep. It's, it's amazing. I don't, I don't want to... I'd get up now, but I would just fall asleep on you, and I know you'd be so offended, so I'm just going to sleep here. 
That's what's going on. So if you fall asleep, wake up. People have asked me that. Pastor Michael, I want to I be intimate with Jesus. But I, fall, I fell asleep. And uh, what do I do? I go, wake up. <laughs> Keep going. Do you think he's infuriated at the thought that you dozed off? Or does the scripture say he, he knoweth our frame? He knows that we're but dust. And do you know, if you're faithful when you're awake, he'll invade your sleep. I'm telling you. If, you, if you're faithful when you're awake and you doze off like it's some mortal sin, if you doze off, he'll invade those little doze-offs and he'll speak to you. I've had it happen many times. Can I give you one more verse? Say the Spirit. The Spirit. Go to Matthew 26, verse 40. Would you read that, Dion? Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Whoa. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Whoa. Okay, read that again. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Okay, now, there's your answer. If Jesus Christ were in a garden with you and he were sweating drops of blood and he looked at you and said, please pray for me, you would think you'd stay awake for him. But you wouldn't. Neither would I. And Jesus tells them why. The flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. Now, he is talking about Peter's spirit there that is now one with the Holy Spirit. And we're going to get into this next week. Are you all enjoying this teaching? Yes. I feel like it's, it's, it's for us right now. The Bible says, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. So when I was a little kid here, my father-in-law would take a bottle of water, two cups. I don't have clear cups, but he'd take them and pour... There would be a, a one cup in the middle, and he'd pour uh, water into that cup. That would symbolize our spirit. And then he would pour uh, another bottle of water into the same cup, and the water would obviously unite to the degree that you couldn't tell where one, one batch began and where the other ended. So is our spirit with the Lord. We are married to the Lord. He who is joined, in other words, he was born again, belongs to the Lord, who is under the Lord's beautiful yoke, is one spirit. We call that marriage. All right. The Lord now is pointing Peter away from his physical capabilities to the capability of the Holy Spirit who is the only one who gets us through prayer. Prayer is not the price to be used by God. 
That's such a tragedy. Prayer is the reward of Calvary. Communion with God. Now, if Jesus were bleeding, sweating drops of blood in front of you and said, pray for me, the fact that we, Peter fell asleep there shows his need for someone, the Holy Spirit. I heard a preacher say, now, how many of you would be different than the disciples if Jesus walked up to you in the first century, you're a first century Jew, you're drinking coffee on the shore of the Sea of Galilee there at the Ritz, <laughs> and here this man just walks by who's from Nazareth. And I heard the, the, this theologian say, how many of you would say, oh, that's Jesus of Nazareth, the son of God? And every, all, all these preachers' hands went up because he was training preachers. And he said, congratulations, you now entered the company of the demons because they were the only ones who recognized Jesus as being the son of God. He said, good job, you're in their company. Then they all put their hands down. The point was this, only the Spirit, only the Holy Spirit could reveal Jesus. Only the Holy Spirit awakens us from spiritual slumber. There's the Son of Man bleeding in front of them, and they can't even pray for an hour. An hour. So what's the good news? The Holy Spirit is the good news. The Holy Spirit is the good news regarding prayer. He will teach you. And may he teach us over these next few weeks. This is just the beginning. This is the appetizer. We're going to go deeper. Because I want you to step into continual prayer. Unceasing prayer that Paul talks about. Paul told the church, I pray for you always. Well, how do you do that when you're preaching? There's a way. And that's where the Lord's going to take us. Amen. To get daily teaching from Michael and to follow our event schedule around the world, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Image TV YouTube channel as well. By partnering with Jesus Image, you will help us take the saving and healing power of Jesus to the world. Your giving changes lives forever. For more information, please visit us online at JesusImage.tv or write us at Jesus Image, P.O. Box 950-640, Lake Mary, Florida, 32795. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. Jesus is the answer for every life, everywhere.